Hey, Pastor Bobby here. I'm so glad you're joining us to hear what God is sharing with our community here at Chapel. And I pray, I am praying right now for you, that this message will bless you. It'll be an inspiration to you. It will challenge you to be who God has called you to be and to do what God has called you to do. And so as we jump into the message, I pray that you open up your mind to God's word, open up your heart to God's spirit, and watch the two come together to bring a supernatural miracle in your life. So let's jump into what God is speaking to us right now. Now, each church has a mission from God, and that mission is the same thing, to make disciples and to teach them. It is the same mission that Jesus gave his disciples, which you can read about in Matthews 28, 19. Go, make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey what I have commanded you. Every church has that mission, make disciples and to teach them. However, each church may have a different vision on how to complete that mission. Either way, God has equipped every church with special abilities, empowered special abilities to complete that mission. And those empowered special abilities are called spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts are put in each member. Each member has at least one empowered special ability to help the church make disciples and teach them what God has given them. I'm going to kind of, however, demonstrate to you how some of our gifts are today. And um, of course, my wife was wondering, she said, you are not going to bring that to church, are you? So she's not here, so you can either tell her or not tell her what I bought to church today. Now, if you are under the age of 25, can you tell me what this is? Anybody under the age of 25, can you tell me what this is here? Can anybody under the age of 50 tell me what this is? Anybody over 80 who doesn't know what this is. <laughs> but this pot here is a cast iron pot that belonged to my grandmother, Elsie Stanley. My first memory of this is a picture of my mom cooking in this pot. You see, the first pots that were good cooking utensils were cast iron pots. This pot, though it looks large, we use for cooking. You could boil hot water in it and you could wash your clothes or you could boil hot water in it, then take it in the house and bathe in your, in your tub. See, before the time's a bathroom. This cast iron pot or pot similar to it came around in 690. So that's how old they've been used, 690 to 670. They were used because they were heat all around. Everything you put in there will get warm or will cook because it transmitted the heat. It had legs on it, so you would stand it and you would place coal, which is something like charcoal or wood under it and set a fire and it would get hot and it would cook your food. But you still had to stir the food so that it would what? Cook through uniformly. If you put clothes in here to wash and you got your water to boil it, you still have to stir them a little bit 
in order for them to what? Wash through and through. The food on the bottom would get hot, maybe burn if you didn't stir it, and the food on the top, what? Would not cook. And so this pot, my grandmother, once we stopped using it, when these portable cookers came out, see, this pot was used to fry fish in at Stanley Reunions when I was a little boy. I actually fried fish in this pot. It was a little blacker then. And then after we stopped using it, my grandmother made a flower pot out of it. And so when you drove to her house, the first thing you saw was this flower pot. And so I said, Granny, can you give me that pot? And she said, you better get it now. So I got it. And so for the past 30 years, it's been a flower pot or a pot sitting in my rock garden. But don't you know that cast iron, all you got to do is to clean it up season it, and you can cook in it again. Now, this pot is a similar story, see? Bought it at a yard sale. It hadn't been used for years. My wife seasoned it, cleaned it, and it is the best chicken frying, fish frying pot in the house. So when we have large crowds like we did yesterday, I fried fish. See, this is a pot that was discarded but it's been reused and it's, and it's the best frying pot in the house. Now everybody else know what this looks like. This is one of my wife's Nero pots. See, when they came out with the aluminum and the Teflon pots, non-sticking pots, the cast iron pots were put aside and they would stop being used. Now, some of us Christians have gifts, special empowered ability given to God, and we're like this pot here. We're just sitting out there. Come here every Sunday, enjoy the, the performers, we're not participating in worship, but we got all these special abilities and they're just out there. And we just sit aside and talk about what we used to do at church. But don't you know we can be what? Empowered. See, this part represents a Christian who had kind of sat down, but when Pastor Bobby came or a young pastor like that came, they grabbed the enthusiasm and they started back to work in the church because, see, your abilities never change. What God gives you, it never changes. It can always be cleaned up, seasoned, and empowered to use again. And this pot represents new members of the chapel or new Christians. See, you haven't used what you got. Now, everybody's cooked in a pot, right? You just cannot set that pot down and go watch TV for an hour. You have to come back and what? Stir it up. And that's what you have to do with our spiritual gifts. So don't neglect your gifts. Stir them up. People like me who go to sleep, you got the story now. So if you go to sleep, don't worry about it. You got it. Now I'm just joking. <laughs> Father, we thank you today. I just thank you for my family, the chapel, Father. I just praise you for their father. And if anybody has anything that's burdened them down, Father, let them know in their hearts and let them receive that you have hope for us. We have a future and you have blessings for us, Father. Speak to me through my family, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Our scriptures today are 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verse 14. 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verse 14. And 2 Timothy, the first chapter, verses 6 through 7. First, if we'll just stand, Pastor Bobby likes for us to stand during the reading of the word. And it's a good thing because that's the tradition. All the way back, they stood during the reading of God's word. First Timothy 4, chapter verse 14 says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, 
which was given to you by the prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. And 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 through 7 says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You may be seated. Like I said, if this pot here, if you're cooking, you just cannot neglect it. If you, in this big pot, if you started a fire under it and you took off, what would the fire do? The fire would go out, so periodically you had to go in and what? Rake the coals. Now, you old folks know what I'm talking about. That means stir the coals. And you also had to stir what was on the inside of it. Hopefully, I demonstrated to you with these pots about how our spiritual gifts are being used. Do not neglect your gift. Now, I know many of you think you came to the chapel for different reasons. My wife and I thought we came to the chapel because we wanted a place where our girls could worship and learn to love the Lord and to be taught. That's why we came to the chapel. Some of you came to the chapel because your family is here. So your family invited you to come to the chapel. Some of you came to the chapel because you came when it first started. You heard that there was a preacher teaching the word of God and they were praising God. They were Holy Spirit empowered people. And you came to see what was going on. and You just never left. Some of you came because you're new to town and you just walked in the door of the chapel. I can go back to McDonald's. McDonald's if I get hungry. It's close enough. I'm just joking with you. <laughs> but we all came for different reasons. Some came because of family or friends. But what I'm here to tell you is you actually came to the chapel because God placed something in you that the chapel needs to complete the mission that God has given it today. You came here because God equipped you with something, a special empowered ability that the chapel needs for you today. Now, some of you are like the big pot. You figured, hey, I'm in my 60s, I'm in my 70s, I've done all the work I need to do. Uh-uh. You have not done all until we come by and view you. <laughs> then you've done all you need to do. <laughs> Just like you, we don't need to neglect what God has given us. God places in every church a member with every special ability that church needs. I have never been to a church where there was somebody who could not teach the, the word. I, 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 you've heard me tell this. I went to a church in Washington, D.C. and sat beside a man, Mr. Gaines, who said he had only gone through the third reader. Back in the old days, you learned to read one book in school, then you went to the next book to learn it. Then you went to the next book. You didn't make it to high school in every community. He said, I made it to the third reader. But you know what God had given Mr. Gaines? He was 86. Mr. Gaines had a perfect memory of the entire Bible. You could say, Mr. Gaines, what does Isaiah 12 say? And he would quote it. He would pause. That was a comma. 
If they said thou, he said thou. If they said thee, he said thee. The next church I went to, there was an 86-year-old guy named Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam wasn't a deacon. He wasn't a preacher. But guess what? God gave him a perfect memory of the word of God. If you were out preaching and you said it wrong, he would politely say, that ain't what it says. And he would be right. <laughs> you couldn't get mad at him. But God equips every church with that, and he has given you a special gift. Now, don't sit out in the flower garden or the rock garden. You follow what I'm saying? Don't sit out there talking about what you used to do and how interesting it was in the old days. He didn't give you that gift for that. God placed you here because he expects you to be used. Now, empowered special abilities or spiritual gifts are different than talents. See, a talent may be something you was born with, but it has no effect on lives. You know how you go to a, a singing or you go to church and there are some people who can sing and they can hit the right notes and it is so beautiful, but that's all it is. And then there are some people who get up there and they sing, and, they, and when they first open their mouth, it may be a little bit off key, but man, there's something that works on the inside of you. You feel this joy, this hope. You feel blessed. You feel anew. See, that person has what? A gift. A gift to what? Provide to you something that God has given you. So spiritual gifts are designed to edify, to encourage, to empower, to build up. When a spiritual gift is used, lives are changed, the will of God is accomplished, and the kingdom of God is advanced. Somebody, some of you may be thinking, well, I don't have anything. What special gift do I have? You may say, I've never recognized anything special. But I'm here to tell you that everybody has at least one gift. Some has more gifts. Well, how do you know it's a gift? Because when you do something, everybody's always patting you on the back how good it is. You'll be thinking, man, I blundered that one through. But, they, but, you be, but everybody's patting you on the back. You may have noticed that when you do something, everybody gets excited. And you'll be saying, what they're so excited about? All I got up and did was go mop the floor. <laughs> but it was part of a special ability God gave you so the kingdom of a God it's advanced. So how can you discover what your spiritual gift of ability have? First of all, just remember, everybody has one dominant gift and some people have spiritual, several gifts. There are certain online inventories like Watermark. You can go and fill out online and it'll try to tell you what your spiritual gift is. But I'm going to tell you, the best way to determine what your spiritual gift is, is to start serving. Just volunteer to go. Volunteer to go out there. And as you volunteer for the different things, you're going to find that there are some things that you do, you're very effective at doing them. There are some things you do, you feel a passion about doing. See, my dominant gift has always in the past been teaching. Man, when I get a, an opportunity to teach a class or to preach. I had this stuff rise up on the inside of me. I start praying. God gives me a topic. He'll refine it. I'll start studying. I'll start listening to songs. I just feel all, I feel like a rush to do things because I get to do. And what it is is that's my gift. That's my gift because I get passionate about it. And you have a gift too, and you just need to start serving, and then you're going to see that there's something that seems like God himself 
shows up when you do that. And, and you have that. Everybody in here has that. You may be saying that, I don't know. I used to do that, but I just, my knees won't let me stand. That's why I had to sit down. <laughs> my knees said, you got to stay a little while longer, fella. You may want to sit while you can. But you may say, I don't do, I just don't need to do that again. See? So at the, all of the churches I've been to, my dominant gift was teaching. But see, here at the chapel, my dominant gift is shifting a little bit because there are others of you who have that gift also. So you can't say, I got that gift and nobody else has it like I got it. God done blessed me. I'm anointed. I can do, I can teach better. No, it doesn't work that way. You are given that gift for a body of baptized believers. But sometimes God wants you to shift your dominant gifts. So my dominant gifts at the chapel here, it's not teaching always anymore. My gift is encouraging you, providing wisdom, providing leadership to you to help you to what? Use your gift. So if you like the big pot sitting in the flower garden, that is not your gift sitting in the flower garden or the rock garden. That is not your gift warming up this bench. We got plenty of bench warmers. They even got artificial ones. We do not need you to warm the bench. Okay? We need you to use your gift. Your dominant gift may have changed. Your dominant gift now is what? Encouraging. You have not lost the teaching gift. You will never lose it. God never takes a gift away from you. You may feel so dirty. You may have messed up so bad that you don't feel like God wants you to do. No, he gave you that gift. You always have that gift. It just may not be your dominant gift at that time. Spiritual gifts are listed in Romans 4. 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4. There are other books of the Bible that may also lift those gifts. They're such as administration. That's to steer a leader body toward the mission that God has given you. It may be an apostle, one sent out to new areas preaching the gospel and providing leadership in church bodies and spiritual authority. Discernment. That means you can clarify or distinguish the truth from error by judging whether the behavior, this is important, or teaching is of God, Satan, or human error. Evangelism, that's preaching the gospel of the good news. You may not be a pastor, just an evangelist. Exhortation, to come alongside someone with words of encouragement, comfort, consolation, or counsel, to help them be all God wants them to be. Faith, to have a firm belief that God will accomplish his will and purpose and to have such a confidence in God and his word that circumstances and obstacles do not shake your convention. Giving, to share your personal resource and a church resource with liberality, with cheerfulness, without thought of anything in return. Healing, to be used as a means through which God makes people whole, either physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. Helps. To render support or assistance to others so as to free them up from ministry. Hospitality, to warmly welcome people, including strangers, into your home or the church as a means of serving those in need. Knowledge, to try to learn as much about the Bible as possible. Remember Uncle Sam and Mr. Gaines? That's what they had. Leadership, to stand before the people and motivate them to get involved in the accomplishment of the mission and vision of the church. Martyrdom, to give over one's life for the cause of Christ. Mercy, to be sensitive toward those suffering, speaking words of compassion and caring for them with love to help alleviate their distress. 
miracles to be able, enabled by God to perform mighty deeds of supernatural origin and means by the power of the Holy Spirit. Missions to be able to minister in another culture or country. Pastor to be responsible for spiritually caring for, protecting, guiding, feeding a group of believers entrusted to one's care. Prophecy, the foretelling of the will of God to speak forth the message of God to his people. Service to identify undone tasks in God's work, no matter how menial and how use available resources to get the job done. Teaching to instruct others in the Bible in such a way as to communicate pertinent information for true understanding and spiritual growth. Interpretation of tongue to translate the message of someone who has spoken in tongue. Wisdom to apply knowledge to life in such a way as to make spiritual truths relevant and practical in proper decision making and daily life situations. These are your spiritual gifts. And uh, like I said, that you can find and you can read them in the Bible. In our scripture today, Paul is talking to Timothy. This is his spiritual son. See, Timothy was converted under Paul's teaching. And he's telling people, Timothy, as an evangelist, you've got to practice your gift. Do not neglect the gift into you. God has given you. He's encouraging him to use all of his gifts. See, Paul had several spiritual gifts. I'm not sure you could say one was more dominant than the other. He was an apostle. He was an evangelist. He was a teacher. He wrote most of the New Testament. He was a, a and he also performed miracles. He had gifts help Paul to spread the gospel and make disciples like Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4, Paul tells Timothy that his life has to be lived with respect. See, that's what allows Satan to tell you not to use your gift. It's the way you live outside of the church. Paul is telling Timothy, look, forget all this, this wild youthful living, he says, his vanity of living. He said, because what that's going to do, that's going to make people say, you're too young to lead us. You're too young to preach. So all of your outside living, your living away from the church can obstruct your operation of your gift. So Paul is telling Timothy this early on, that his life has to be lived with respect. And he's telling Timothy that you got to teach the people, not by just what you preach. You got to teach them how you live. You got to operate in your gift, not to just say I have this gift, but I need to see how you're living tomorrow, Monday, Wednesday when the heat is on, Thursday when you about had enough at work. You still should be able to operate in your gift because if you don't, no one is going to what? Want to listen to you. They're going to say, oh, he's just doing that for show. He's just talking for show. And so the your gift can be distracted by your lifestyle. You can build up by teaching and you can tear down by the way you live. That's what Paul is telling Timothy in our scriptures today. He says to teach how to live, teach how to, what to believe and to live or practice what you're preaching. He tells Timothy to study and work. He was not to neglect the gift that God had given him. Even though our gifts are irrevocable, they can wither. Just like this pot. It used to be solid black when I was a teenager, when I cooked in it. But it's kind of withered because it's been sitting out in the garden. Our gifts can do the same thing, but what? They're not taken away from us. You can be seasoned. You can pray. 
You can ask God for forgiveness. See, we have a mercy for God. Just because he gives you a gift and you go live all wildly and, and, you, and you're just torn up, you're burned up, you feel used up, you don't have your joy, you still got that gift God gave you. All you need to do is just come to a place like the chapel and start worshiping God, ask him for forgiveness, and move on into your, your gift. Your past life may open the door for criticism, but still practice your gift because lives will be changed. The mission that God has given the chapel needs your gift. We got a merciful God. He forgives us for our wrongdoing. He forgets about our old, our old life. God is not keeping a record of how we messed up. However, he's going to bless us when we what? Operate in our gifts. We must eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Our motive for these should be to love others. We should try to excel in our gifts. Don't neglect your gift. We need you. It's just like, you know, you can work pretty good with just one hand, but you sure can do a better job with two hands. You can walk without your big toe, but your balance would be a whole lot better if you got it. And that's what the church is like. We can move on without your gift, but we sure can operate better if you are operating in your gift. Now, there are different reasons that people won't operate in their gift. You know what the biggest one is? It's fear. And that second scripture is that God does not give us the spirit of fear. Fear is a tactic of Satan. Fear I'm going to mess up. Fear people are going to laugh at me. Fear people are going to remember what I used to be like. All of that comes from Satan. Because God wipes your slate clean. The moment you say, God, I am sorry for the way I used to live. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Give me eternal life and make me a child of God. You got a clean slate. You've been seasoned. <laughs> you are ready to cook again. That's all it takes. And it doesn't matter what other folks say. Just remember, that's a spirit of fear. When you are saved, you are saved and your gift is still there. You can operate in your gift because you have the love of God. God does not give us the spirit of live, give spirit of fear. But what does he give us? The power of what? That's right. So God is what? A power. That is the courage and a firm decision to do just what God has created me to be. He has also given me a spirit of love, a love of God and a love for others. Man, if you got the love of God in you, you can go on the next day. When the sun comes up, you got the S-O-N on the inside of you, providing you joy no matter what happened yesterday, what the situation is today. Jesus is living on the inside of me. I have a hope. Everything I go through right now is only temporary. The only permanent thing it's going to be is when I have eternal life and I go to live with God. That's the love. That's the spirit that God has placed in you. Do not let the spirit of fear seem to dominate the spirit of God, love who's in us. And then the thing that God has given us, a spirit of a sound mind. That's a quiet mind. I can tell when I'm getting ready to be asked to preach. You know how I can tell? 
there's these thoughts of the past, all of us come back. And man, they come back at a very intense. But see, God gave me a spirit of a sound mind. I can choose to think about them and I can choose to not think about them because they don't matter anymore. They are what? My past. The only thing God looks at is what? My future of eternal life with him. And so that's what a quiet mind is. So when you want to do or operate in your gift and you get all these thoughts about people going to laugh at me, people going to say what did I did wrong, people going to say I can't talk, people going to say I can't walk, people going to say anything anyway. But I'm telling you, God gave you a spirit of a sound mind that you don't have to listen to any of those thoughts. Because you know what? Our imagination, our thoughts in our head can stop us from doing anything. They'll stop you from wanting to get up out of the bed in the morning. They'll say, you don't need to get up. Why are you going to work? You can't pay your bills anyway. Why are you going? See, those are the thoughts. But God gave you a spirit of a sound mind. You can just say, I don't know who you're talking to, devil, but he must be in the next room because I got a hope. <laughs> it ain't about the money. My God owns everything. He owns the money. He can make decisions that I will have money. So I have a hope. And that's the sound mind. Don't be discouraged by the creatures of your own imagination. In Philippians 4, 8 to 9, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. So I said what? You have to stir up your gifts. How can you stir up your gift? Just get out and serve. <laughs> Start using them. Volunteer. Operate in them as often as you can. Share the gospel with God, with others, how, what God has done for you in your life. See, your testimony is made for somebody. Did you know that? I can talk to somebody who's doing some things, and they'll look at me and say, well, you know. You haven't been down the road I've been around, but you know what? The road you've been down, that's some people need to hear that. They need to hear how you went down the road and how you are saved now and God has given you a joy in your life. We have to stay close to our church leaders. Man, you got to pray for Pastor Bobby. You got to be by Pastor Bobby in the good time. You got to be by Pastor Bobby and the elders in the bad time. You know why? Because in the bad time, you get to see how God works, see? In the good time, everybody's jumping up and down. But in the bad times, at the end of the road, when you see that God still blessed what you're doing, there's a joy, that's when you need to be there. You need to study the Bible of the Word. You got to read the Word yourself. You can't always just listen to what we say. You got to read it for yourself because when you read it, God speaks to you. The words jump off the page to you. You open your Bible. Try to read your Bible every morning before you leave the house. Why do you want to do that? Because you need a word. You don't know what's waiting outside the garage. You don't know what's waiting at the end of the road. You don't know what's going to happen at work. But when you read that word, God is going to give you something that helps you to make it through that time. Guard your gift. Use it joyful for what it's intending. Pick a person when you figure out what your gift is, pick a person who has that gift and connect with them. Walk with them, serve with them. You see, everybody should be a Paul situation 
And everybody should be in a Timothy situation. There should be somebody encouraging and teaching you. There should be someone that you should be encouraging and teaching. That's what you should take home today. So find your Paul who's serving with your gift and stick close to him. Remember, your gift is to glorify God, to encourage, to build up, to comfort God's people and make disciples. Stir up your gifts. There's a song written by Joe Pace called Stir Up Your Gift. I'm not going to sing. You're good. The word says God has not given us the spirit of fear. But the Lord has given us power, power and love, his joy and peace, his happiness. He has given us a strong mind, power and love, his joy and peace, his happiness. He has given us a strong mind. Never should I be afraid. Never should I be afraid. Stir up the gift. Lay your hands on me. Stir up the gift. Touch me, Lord, stir up the gift. Why stir up and use our gifts? Paul, in his prayer to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 1.18 says, there are three blessings we can expect. Hope for the future. God will claim us as his inheritance and the power of God working on our behalf. Do not neglect your gift. You just didn't come here for no reason at all. You came here because God gave you, he empowered you with a special ability that will help the chapel to meet the mission that God has given us. Pastor Bobby has given us the vision, but the mission everywhere is the same, making disciples and teaching them. Now, if you're not saved, you don't have a spiritual gift, but God does have one for you. If you're not saved today, it is very simple. It's not that hard. All you got to do, you can do it sitting there. You can come down and I'll pray with you. But all you got to say is, hey, God, I'm sorry for living without you. I'm sorry for all the things that I've done. And God, I don't plan on going back there anymore. Forgive me, God. Come into my heart. Give me eternal life and make me a child of God. It's as simple as that. And God is there for you today. To get your gift now, you got to be one of his children. And you can become one of his children today. And if you got the gift, don't neglect it. Don't be like the big pot. Be like the pot that's been seasoned and on fire again. Don't be like the new pot if you just joined. Your gift is ready to be used today. God bless you. Y'all have a good day.